Welcome. Thanks for joining us today on The Venture Podcast. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you along your journey. Well, Venture, this is an exciting weekend for us as a church. Uh, I'm excited because on campus, in our services, we are able to worship together in our worship center. And this is the first time in a year and a half. It's a memorable weekend. And uh, in fact, this, this weekend, the focus of everything we want to do is what do we need to remember? What do we need to remember that God has done? In fact, I'll tell you right now, at the end of this, we're going to remember Jesus and the way that he taught us by taking communion together. And so I'd encourage you, since uh, this is on demand, you might want to pause the message right now and go ahead and uh, get some bread, get some juice or wine if you have it. Maybe get those elements prepared because I'd love for you to be able to uh, celebrate and remember Jesus with me as we really mark this weekend and remember all that he's done. Will you take a moment with me? Let's just pray and lift up this weekend, lift up what he's doing in our church and this message as well. Lord, I thank you. Thank you for the way that you have sustained us. Thank you for the way that this has been a longer process than any of us could have seen. But you have been faithful every step of the way. Lord, you say a lot in the Bible about remembering the things that matter most. And I pray even in this message, we would remember how you've worked in the past, how you continue to work in our church, and it would fuel our faith that we could believe that you want to do something in the future as well. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. You know, as we uh, talk about remembering and memory in itself, uh, they say that, you know, as you get older, and I'm feeling the effects of it, memory is the first thing to go. I don't know who they are. I can't quite remember it, but they say that. Uh, in fact, I read about a group uh, of friends who would get together, and uh, in their 20s, they got together, they wanted to go out to eat, and so uh, what they asked around, you know, where should we go? And one of them said, you know, we ought to go to Glowing Embers Restaurant. I have heard it's got a great vibe, really a lot of energy, good-looking waiters, waitresses, it's the place for us to go. So they all agreed and they went to eat there. About 20 years later, they got together in their 40s. And they decided, where should we go out to eat? And one of them said, you know, we ought to go to Glowing Embers. I heard they have great food and an awesome wine list. And they all go, oh, that sounds great. And they all agreed and they went to eat there. 20 years later, in their 60s, they got together and they said, where should we go to eat? And one of them said, you know, we ought to go to Glowing Embers Restaurant. I heard it's, it's quiet, you can hear yourself talk, and they've got a great seniors discount. They all agreed, and they said, that's where we ought to go. 20 years later, in their 80s, they got together and they said, where should we go out to eat? And one of them said, I think we ought to go to Glowing Embers Restaurant. They said, really, why? They said, I don't think we've ever been there before. And they all thought for a minute, and they go, we agree. And they decided to go there. Now, as you hear that joke or that story, you, you might be able to relate to different parts of it. Unfortunately, I'm relating more to the latter part of that story as time goes on. But we, we just recognize how easy it is to forget. In fact, I'm feeling it right now. As we're coming back together, we had the picnic last weekend. I'm seeing more people in the church. And, and maybe you're feeling this as well. We're coming back and you see people and I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, can we stop doing this to each other? Or at least stop doing it to me. Stop walking up and, and kind of looking and going, do you remember me? And I would say, yes, I remember you. I may not remember your name. And it's not about you. It's about me. 
I mean, I remember your face, or at least half your face, that I've been seeing for a while here. But but I'm just going to ask, maybe during this season, not just at church, for all of us as we're re-engaging, what if instead of walking up and putting people on the spot, we walked up and said, hi, my name is Tim. I don't know if you remember me or not, but it's great to see you again. See, in that one moment, we help each other out a little bit instead of just assuming. This is a season where we might be tempted, based on everything we've been through the last year and a half, to forget. In fact, I've heard from different people. They've said, you know what, 2020, first half of 2021, I just want to forget it. I want to forget COVID. I want to forget all we've been through. I want to forget this long period. And and there's part of me, I am with you. I am weary of it too. But I think it would be a mistake if our approach was just to forget. Because as I look through Scripture, especially when God takes His people through something, often in Scripture He reminds us and He calls us to remember, to use this, to make it a marker. And and so this weekend, as as we relaunch on the campus, as we think about kind of ending a certain part of this season that none of us saw how long it would be, I, I want you to with Scripture and the stories of Scripture, go back with me as we remember. In fact, I want to take you all the way back to the children of Israel. This is a story from the Old Testament in the book of Joshua. And and the children of Israel, remember, they were slaves in Egypt, and Moses, God used Moses, and through the plagues, they took them out of Egypt, and then he took them through the Red Sea, and then because of their disobedience, for 40 years, they wandered around in the wilderness. And, And when you come to the book of Joshua, Moses has died. And everybody's a little nervous about that. Because Moses has been their leader. They're about to enter into the promised land. They're about to face enemies for the first time. In fact, the guy who's the most nervous about it is Joshua. In Joshua 1, God has to say to him several times, hey, be strong, be courageous. I'm with you. You you got this. And and as they come into the promised land, they've got this big obstacle in front of them called the Jordan River. If you know anything about Israel, the Jordan River, it runs about 150 miles north to south. It goes from the Sea of Galilee down to the Dead Sea. And so if you're coming into the land of Israel, there is no way in without crossing the Jordan. Now, parts of the Jordan aren't as wide, maybe about 100 feet across, and not as deep. But where they're coming in, we know they came in, and it says in Scripture exactly where they're coming, and it's springtime, so the Jordan would flood. You're you're looking at well over 100 feet. And the depth was somewhere probably about 10 to 20 feet, and the currents were so strong in this place, it would be difficult for a person to swim across, much less for the whole nation of Israel to be able to enter into the land. As they come up to this obstacle, God wants to use this time to show them, to teach them, and there's some things He wants them to remember. Look at it as they come to it. It says, Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourself for tomorrow. The Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua said to the priest, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant, they went before the people, and the Lord said to Joshua, Today you'll be, I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, 
that they may know that as I was with Moses, I will be with you. Now you look at this, this Ark of the Covenant. Out of all the ways they could cross, he doesn't call for engineers. He doesn't call for leaders. He doesn't call for somebody that goes, we got to figure out a bridge. We got to figure out a tunnel. We got to figure out some way across. God said, I'm going to do it like nobody else. And he has the priests come forward. And, and the Ark of the Covenant, if you're part of my generation, I mean, when we think of Ark of the Covenant, we think of Indiana Jones. You think of the lid coming off and Nazis' faces being melted with it. For, for the children of Israel, though, the Ark of the Covenant was the single most important item they had. It was part of their tabernacle. It was this gold box, completely covered in gold, had golden angels on it. And it, and it was so holy and important to them they had gold rings on it. No one could touch it physically. They, they would take wooden rods and put them through the rings on the side and the priest would carry them on their shoulder without touching the ark. Because the ark was that part of the tabernacle that was in the Holy of Holies. It was that place that when the Spirit of God came down, that's where he met the high priest. That's where the high priest would, would sacrifice the blood. And once a year on the Day of Atonement, when the Spirit of God came down to that place, the people's sins were forgiven. And, and so out of everything that they possessed as a nation, this, this symbol, this Ark of the Covenant, was the most important thing they had. Because it literally represented the presence of their God. And the fact that He was their God and they were His people. And so God says, I want you to take this and have it front and center. I want the priest to go, and, and what he commanded them is, I want them to put it up on their shoulders and just start marching, leading the way right into the river. Now, look what happens in the next verse. And as soon as those bearing the ark had come as far as the Jordan, and the feet of the priest bearing the ark were dipped in the brink of the water, now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest. So it's telling us this is when it's at its widest. As soon as the priest touched the water, the waters coming down from above stood up, and rose up in a heap very far away. You imagine being those first priests, and your only orders are just march into the river. And you know they got to be thinking as they're going, okay, I am about to take a bath here. But by faith, Joshua listened to God. They listened to Joshua. And as soon as their feet touched the water, the water suddenly up north, where the water was coming down, it just dammed up on its own. It walled up there, and it's suddenly dry. Now, th this has got to bring back flashbacks for some of them. Their parents, when they are at the Red Sea, the same thing happened. The water was divided so that they could go through. Uh, look, look what happens as well. Uh, I love this next verse. Now, the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all Israel was passing over on dry ground until all the nation finished passing over the Jordan. So the priests go out into the middle of it, and they just stand there with the ark. And then as the water is dammed up and the ground is dry, the people then pass over. And, and they just wait there. Remember, they're, they're there with the ark, which is the symbol of the presence of God. They've led the way with it, but they stay till the very end as well. That God gives them this reassurance, okay, I am here, I got this, and every single person is going to get through. You don't have to worry, I'm in control here. And then when they all got to the other side, before the priests came out, 
God commanded Joshua to do one more thing. Look at it. It's pretty interesting here in the next verse. When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, take 12 men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them saying, take 12 stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. They get 12 guys. I think, you know, each tribe, remember there were 12 tribes of Israel, so it represents all the people. They get 12 of them and they send all of them. They go, hey, you go in. You go grab one. And, and you know, I pictured it and it says later in the passage they had to put it up on their shoulder. So it's big enough that you got these young guys bringing a stone like this. Now, this is about as big as I could do. But as you look at that, I can only imagine, I'm going to set it down, by the way. I can only imagine those 12 guys, you know there had to be a little bit of competition. You know as they're looking around and just being guys and you're representing your whole tribe, you know each of them, they kind of look over and see, okay, what did the Levites? Oh, he picked up that size. I think I can go a little bigger. You know the stones had to get bigger and bigger and each of them put them up on their shoulder and they bring them out. So I imagine they're larger than this stone. Now, now take 12 stones and then you stack them together as an altar, as a memorial. And, and, and God, through Joshua, he commands him. He says, man, this is going to be a memorial for my people forever. Because they can't forget. Because they can't forget what God has done. I want a memorial so that they will remember. And I want you to look at this. Look at what he's telling them to remember. Look at the command in this. They need to remember that God is with you. Remember that Ark of the Covenant. Remember the priest there. Remember the fact that out of all the nations on the earth, you're the one that God has met with. You're the one that the people of God know that you have the temple or the tabernacle. You have this place where God comes down and he forgives you. And as a symbol in this hard time when they're about to cross over this, God wants to show them, I'm with you. You're not alone. He shows them God will lead you. God will lead you. He has the priest go first. He doesn't have Joshua go first. He doesn't have leaders go first. Spiritually, the priest, and it wasn't even the priests themselves, it was again that symbol that God's going first, that God will lead you. And they need to know this. They need to know that, man, if we can trust a God who's with us, we can trust a God who will lead us. And the third part, I love this, is God will make a way. You know, we sing that song often, God will make a way when there is no way. This is one of those stories that show that. In fact, you read through the Bible over and over again, the people of God, they come up against these obstacles. They come up against odds. They come up against enemies. They come up against something that you look at it on paper and you go, there is no way. And God, again, he brings them. There's this massive river in front of them. There is no way across. And God says, yeah, let me show you. I'll make a way. I'll make a way through when you couldn't see it. And, and this nation, you can trust me because you're about to face more obstacles. There's giants in the land. There's enemies in the land. 
You're about to come up against Jericho. It's a walled city. You've never taken on a walled city before. In fact, I'm going to have you do what a lot of people would think is the dumbest attack plan in the world. Here's how you're going to take out the city. You just march around it. And on the last day of marching around, you're going to blow some trumpets. I mean, on paper, you'd look at that and you go, there is no way. And God says, yeah, watch me. I'll make a way. And so with these stones, he says, I want you to stack this up. And I want there to be a physical reminder that, that I am the God who is with my people. I'm the God who leads my people. I'm the God who makes a way for my people. And then not only that, he says, not only do you need to remember, but I'm worried about the next generation as well. And specifically in this, he tells them, you need to teach the next generation what God has done. Look at what Joshua says a little bit later in the passage. He said to the people of Israel, when your child asks their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know Israel passed over the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, and that you may fear the Lord your God forever. He says this isn't just a memorial for us. These stones stacked up, man, this is for future generations. You need to bring your kids here. They need to look at it and they go, wait, what is this stack of stones? What does this mean? And you look at them, you go, you know, you know where that rock's from? The, this rock is from the middle of that river. And they would look at it and they go, there, there's no way. No man would be strong enough to go in a river and swim a rock out this size. And then they go, no, let me tell you the story. Let me tell you what happened. Man, let me tell you how God was with us. Let me tell you how God led us. Let me tell you how God made a way through. Let me tell you that our God is mighty. Let me tell you that you would know forever. And he's to be feared. Notice he says that in that. He's to be respected. He's not optional. See, Joshua knows, and God knows, that, that people have, who have grown up as part of the nation or a generation that grows up as part of the church. It's easy to start taking God for granted. And whether we realize it or not, it's easy to forget what God has done. And Joshua says, I want you to be very intentional about teaching the next generation. It isn't that you just remember, they need to remember too. Guys, as we come into this weekend, as we think, in some ways, I feel like we're crossing a threshold. It was a year and a half ago in, in March that, uh, man, we, we left this building. And we kind of told ourselves, well, we'll be, be back soon. Kind of worst case scenario, we'll be back by Easter. And then Easter came and went. And then summer came and went. And then we said, well, we'll be back by Christmas. And then Christmas came and went. And then we went into the next year. We passed the next Easter. And here we are at this place that we finally go, oh man, it feels like we're getting closer to crossing over. It's not done yet, but we're closer. And it's in this place that I just think we would do well to learn the same lessons that they had to learn then. We would do well as the people of God 
to, to remember again. In fact, I, I just want to call you, some of you, you need to remember right now that if you are a follower of Christ, man, if you're part of His family, God's with you. And He's always with you. And He's been with you. And He's been with us through this whole process. And He'll continue to be with us. Sometimes when you're going through hard times, that's the first thing that you can kind of feel. You feel like we're alone. Sometimes when you come up against enemies, they, they were going up against enemies in the land. I mean, we, we face things within the culture. We face different things out there. We get anxious in it. And we can forget the fact that God is with us. And the difference that that makes. You know, I love even when Jesus sent his followers out. I love when, when the Great Commission, and it's a passage that we know well. In fact, you, you see it in Matthew 28. He, he sent them out, all authority on heaven and earth is given to me. Go therefore, make disciples. He says, baptize them, teach them. I mean, I love the command of that, and we teach that command often. But you know, I think my favorite word in the whole verse, it might be this little word. Here it's translated behold. In the King James, it's translated lo, L-O. Lo, it, it, the, the word in Greek is edu. It, it really doesn't have meaning. It's just an interjection. And, and anytime you see this word or you see that low, all it is is Jesus is pausing for a second and he says something to get their attention. It's his way of going, behold, look at me. Hey, hey, look at me. I, I do it with my kids at times, especially when they were little. If you really needed to communicate something important, you ever had this where, where they're scattered or whatever's going on, or sometimes when they're scared and, and you have to get them and you go, hey, look at me, look, look at me. You've got to hear this. That's what Jesus is doing here. Because see, as he, he starts talking about this commission, I think his disciples were wigging out a little bit. I, I think literally, they're just now getting with the program. They're just now realizing what he's about. And he's about to take off. And then he looks at them and he says, yeah, okay, it's time to take this to the whole planet. You, you need to go. You got to make disciples of all the nations. Teach them, baptize them. And I think there's a part of it they're looking at it, they're going, wait, wait, what? Us? Out? Nations? Everywhere? And in the middle of that, I love that Jesus goes, lo, lo, behold, look at me. Hey, guys, look at me. Notice what he says when he has their attention. Notice what he wants them to be so sure they know. And he not only says it to them, he says it to us. He says, lo, and look at this statement. I am with you always to the end. Man, I love that. Because in all that we go through, in all that we face, in all that we want to see Jesus do through us, especially as a church, I'm telling you, I think some of us right now, man, we need to hear from Jesus because we are anxious. Some of you are so anxious still, maybe about COVID. You're anxious about the culture. You're anxious about politics. Anxious about the economy. Anxious about how the world's changing. We're anxious about all these things. And I think you need to hear from Jesus today. Lo, lo, look at me. I'm with you. Always. To the end. Because in the same way he was with them 
like that Ark of the Covenant right in the middle of the people leading the way. He's with you. He's with me. And you need to remember with that as well that God will lead you. God will lead you. I love how Jesus describes himself. He says, I am the good shepherd. Look how he says it in John 10 with it. My sheep hear my voice. I know them. And this line has become more important to me than I can fathom over the last year. They follow me. You say, well, Tim, why does that stand out so much to you? Because I've just got to be honest, as a leader, especially in the church, man, I am decision weary. I mean, through all this, there's changes all the time. There's health changes, there's code changes, what we can do, what you, you should do and shouldn't do and all that. And it feels like all the time there's another decision, another decision. And, and that's what God's called us to do. That's part of it. And you feel it in your home and you feel it in your business with it. I can't tell you, when, when I read this, though, and I recognize in the things that matter the most in life, when, when it comes to eternity, when it comes to my soul, when it comes to the most important things in my family, I mean, He has already decided. And He continues to lead. And I only have to follow. I love how Paul put it when he wrote the church in Corinth. He says, hey, here's the deal. You follow me as I follow Jesus. That's why God calls us as pastors, as elders, as under-shepherds. Because he's the good shepherd. And we follow him. I would encourage you. Maybe some of you, you need to ask yourself, do you hear his voice? Have we gotten so busy? Have we let the noise of everything else drown out the voice that matters most? And know that you can follow him. And the third thing to remember is that God will make a way. God will make a way. And the reason I can trust him that no matter what I'm facing, he's going to make a way. He can make a way through it. Because he's made a way through the thing that haunts all of us the most. If he's made a way through sin itself, and let's be honest, through death, I think that's part of what has made this last year and a half, especially when this first started. When you have a pandemic, when suddenly you hear about deaths and people you know that are experiencing it and the illness that's out there, I think as a culture, that's why you, you, you feel this fear hover around because of death itself. We all rail against it. It's interesting, I was reading about uh, Larry Ellison, the CEO of Oracle. Uh, at one point, he was the fourth richest man in the world. But he developed a foundation uh, to fight death, to fight mortality. And, and he puts about $40 million a year in it because really the goal is, is that through technology and through all that we do, we can ultimately overcome death itself. And, and, he, and he said in it, in one quote, he said, to me, death makes no sense at all. It makes no sense. I mean, that you're there, and then suddenly you're gone. Now, that's part of his belief system he's showing there. The writer of the article, is an article in the Daily Beast that, that reported on it, not just Ellison, but other billionaires that were putting their money toward this. The writer of the article said, yep, yeah, maybe death makes no sense. But maybe 
there is a way to overcome it. And he wasn't talking spiritually. But let me just say unequivocally, death makes no sense. It wasn't what was the way our universe was supposed to be. It wasn't supposed to be here. It came through sin and then death. It makes no sense, but it's been overcome. And the reason I know that is my Savior not only went through it, He came back again. Jesus made a way through death itself. That's why Jesus could declare, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. See, he, he could declare he is the way because he showed the way. He literally went through death himself. And, and when I think about that for a little bit of time, and I want you to think about this, if Jesus could go through that, don't you think he can take you through whatever you're facing? In fact, I'll tell myself that sometimes. I'll, I'll say, if Jesus can go through that, he can get me through this. Some of you need to hear that today. And I don't know what your this is. Some of you, you're facing serious things. Maybe it's illness. Maybe it's a relationship breakup or even a divorce. Maybe financially you don't know how you're going to make it. Maybe you're facing just anxiety in a way that you've never faced it before. And I just want you to hear me. If Jesus can go through that, if he can go through death, he can take you through this. He will get you through to the other side. He will get you through whatever you're facing. Now, doesn't mean he makes all the problems disappear. I don't want to sell you any false promises. Jesus conquered death, but not without scars. And I've found when he takes us through, we are often changed through it. Sometimes wounded by it. But he always takes it and redeems it. And, and from all the way back to the time of Joshua when he was taking his people through, to the time of Jesus when he was able to go through death and then come back out of that grave again, to our present time in a pandemic where we've seen him take us through in so many ways, whatever you're facing, Jesus will lead you through. Remember, Remember God is with us. Remember God will lead you. Remember God will make a way. And the final part, I'll just close in the same way that they taught it. I believe we've got to teach the next generation what God has done. It's not just us remembering it. Remember Joshua said, you've got to be intentional because it's so easy for the next generation to forget. And, and as I say that, you know, one of the saddest verses in all of Scripture, it's in Judges. It's at the death of Joshua. Look how it describes at Joshua's death. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. So he led them into the land. They conquered. That generation followed God. And all that generation also were gathered to their fathers. So Joshua dies, and that generation dies. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work he had done for Israel. I mean, the next generation, they stopped following. You know how it describes it in Judges? Everybody did what was right in their own eyes. See, that's how quick it can happen.
That's why God tells us we have to be so intentional about it. And that's why I would encourage all of us. These aren't just truths that we need to rehearse. Man, these are truths that we have got to intentionally teach the next generation. You know, as we relaunch here, that's one of the focuses of this church. That's one of the things we are passionate about. How do we reach and teach the next generation? How do we reach our kids? How do we reach young people? How do we reach young adults? And if you look at the studies, this verse didn't just happen then, it's happening now in our country. If you look at the numbers of young people, and I'm not just talking about young people out there, I'm talking about young people who have grown up in the church, who as they become adults, they just walk away. They don't remember what God has done. They don't believe that He really is the way. And they're walking away. See, I think that's why we've got to be passionate about it now. That's why we're passionate about it as a church. How do we reach them? How do we teach them? How, how do we focus on them in a way? And I would encourage you, one of the things I've loved about the pandemic, God has spurred this on in different ways. As I've watched different parents, parents step forward and say, man, I've got to take responsibility for my own kids. And some of you, you're using this service. I've heard from you. Man, you use this digital service. It's a great time for you as a family to engage this message and talk about it. I've seen it on Tuesday night. We, we've got hundreds of kids coming on Tuesday nights because our student ministry, and God's used it during this time. I saw it during Kid Venture and VBS when hundreds of, of children were on our campus and many of them coming to Christ through that. I'm seeing God take us through and even reach next generation with it. But I'll tell you my fear as we come back to the campus and we are tempted to just kind of go back to normal. We've got to be more intentional than ever before. As parents, we've got to be intentional about training our kids. We got to be intentional about even using these worship services. You know, there, there's nothing in these services that's over the head of middle schoolers and above. There's literally no reason they shouldn't be a part of this. But they never will if parents don't teach them and make it a priority in their life. There's nothing in God's word that is beyond a young person being able to learn but they will never hear his voice and follow if we as parents don't come along and say, hey, let me tell you my memorial stones. Let me tell you how God worked in my life. Let me tell you why my faith matters to me. Let me tell you how to read your Bible. Let me tell you how to pray in a way that you could hear God too. If there was ever a time, if there was ever a season as we've come through to recognize, it's not just remembering what God's taught us. It's what we want to give to those who follow us as well. Because this is a great weekend where we remember. I love that we serve a God who calls us to remember in tangible ways. Every so often with his people, he says, hey, stop. Grab those rocks. Let's use that from now on. In fact, it's what Jesus did for us as well. That in a meal with his disciples, he said, hey, stop for a minute. I want to use the elements here. And I want to use them from now on. And remember why he gave us communion? So that we could remember him. We could remember what he had done for us. We could remember that he's always with us. We could remember that he had conquered sin and death. But not without scars. It was his body broken. It was his blood shed. 
that changes everything. So I want to encourage you as we finish out this message, as we mark this weekend, let's remember Jesus together. And if you have the elements with you, it really doesn't matter whether it's bread or wafer, or I've got a little wafer or cracker. This is just the symbol that reminds us of what Christ has done. Will you remember with me that Christ's body was broken for each of us? And let's eat. And will you remember with me that Christ's blood was shed to make a way through where there was no way through? Let's drink together. Will you pray with me? Lord, I thank you. I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that all these stories we see in the past, you're still working now. You're still doing miracles. You're still doing amazing things. Lord, I pray for our church, that we would be a church that remembers well your faithfulness during this time. Lord, I pray that we would be a church that teaches well the next generation how mighty our God is and what he has done. Lord, I thank you that all this is possible only because of what we just remembered, and that Jesus' body was broken for us, that his blood was shed for us. We pray this in his name. We hope today's message encouraged you in your journey of faith. To keep up with the latest messages and what's happening, make sure to subscribe to this podcast and visit venture.cc.